brothers and sisters, it's um, always a pleasure and a privilege to be able to stand before you uh, and give the word. It's a very humbling experience. Uh, I was humbled this morning. I uh, went to go and print my sermon this morning at the office at 1015. Laptop died. Charger wasn't working. And out of the 17,000 years I had this Mac laptop, it wanted to start updating today <laughs> at 10.15. So it, started, it looked like it was moving fast. Then it said, 30 minutes left. I said, So I called Montrell. Montrell, let me hold this charger. That's why I ran and ran out. But it was humbling. Now, I'm speaking on the topic of uh, worry and depression today. And when I tell you I was worrying, God has a way to humble you, right? So um, as I'm speaking on the topic, I'm not uh, claiming to be an expert on mental health. Uh, but my goal today is simply uh, to uplift God's word and see what man's creator has to say about the topic. I'm not here to try to heal anybody of any worrying or anything like that. Uh, as a reminder, we believe that God's word is sufficient for every aspect of our lives. So that includes health, but also in the same breath, I want to say that also includes wisdom. So uh, when Jesus was found with the low in society uh, and questioned about his presence among them, he responded by saying, those who are well have no need of a physician, but it is those who are sick. Now, while he was indeed referring to the uh, a spiritual illness of sin, I do believe that there's a practical message there for us as well. I don't believe that God will ever give grace that he intends to be unused. Uh, and what I, what I mean by I said, when I say that is that um, there are 19,217 hospitals in 177 countries, with 25% of those hospitals being in America, a whopping 5,564 According to the World Health Organization, there are a total of 4.3 physicians, nurses, and other health workers worldwide, and one million of them in America. And that's not counting the thousands who graduate every year. I say all that to say, if you need to seek help, seek help. All right? Uh, the tax collectors and sinners knew they needed Jesus, which is why he said what he said. They saw their state and went to see about the physician. If you ever feel like you need to see someone, see someone, because there's always somebody to see. All right, so as we enter the turn of a new year, another new year, research reports that about 45% of the American population makes one or more res resolutions every year. That's about half of the American population. Weight loss. Exercise more, get my money straight, quit smoking or drinking, start going to church. That wasn't, I ain't find that part of my research, but that's, that's one of, that's definitely one of Of those who make resolutions, 25% don't even make it past the first week. 40% the first month. Research further reports that those who fail end up instead experiencing lowered self-esteem, sadness, and depression. And social media doesn't help. I, I nicknamed it uh, 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 Old Steam Media. 
because everybody is always living their best life now on social media, right? My brothers and sisters, while these statistics relate to the new year, the reality is that worry and depression is not limited to failed new year resolutions. Worry and depression are not merely medical or mental problems, but they are in fact human problems. People in the scriptures dealt with worry and depression, and we do today. But ultimately, the people of God find their hope in every good word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, I do want to encourage you to take notes. To this day, I'm still blessed by notes that I took when I was in church when I was 17. So I encourage you to take notes. Um, I encourage you, once community groups start coming back up, to sign up for one. It's a time where we can reverberate the word of God and also talk about practical points of application. Uh, I encourage you to link up with a brother or sister. I encourage you to have lunch or invite somebody into your home. And lastly, I pray that God grants you understanding and submission to his sufficient for life word. Now, let's take some time in God's word. If you have your Bibles, turn to, uh, uh, let's do it the old school way. Stand up. Stand up. Open your Bible. Turn to Proverbs 12, 25. If you don't have, it, if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Somebody can bring you one. And then also, you can lean over to your neighbor and look on their, on their test paper. All right, Proverbs 20, uh, 12, 25 speaks directly to depression. And remember that I said um, we believe that God's word is sufficient for every area of life. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good word makes it glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. How many people want to take notes today? Oh, that's, that's half a person. Webster's Bible translation says, it, it puts it this way, heaviness in the heart of man depresses it, but a good word makes it glad. Let us pray. You can be seated. The Heavenly Father... Thank you for being a good God. Thank you for being perfect. If it wasn't for your perfection, we wouldn't have any hope. I pray that you would uh, just use me as a vessel. I don't, I don't need any glory. I don't need any recognition or anything. And I pray that you would uh, uh, lift this anxiety off me, Lord God, as I'm preparing to preach and uh pray ultimately that you would be glorified and your people edified. In Christ's name, amen. So if you were able to see God create everything in his glory in Genesis, talking about the lights, when he flung the stars in the sky, when he saw Saturn and put a ring on it, when he made Pluto, if it exists, if you were there to see God create everything. Do you think you will worry about anything? So it makes us wonder, where did worrying come from? If you actually think about worrying, where did it come from? Where did concern for the sustenance of life come from? But here, in Proverbs 12, 25, we have a diagnosis for depression and a cure. The cause is anxiety, and the cure is a good word. 
Anxiety is defined as a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Anybody ever felt that before? Anybody? Okay, three people. I'm usually anxious whenever I am asked or given the opportunity to stand in front of you guys. I'm wondering, am I going to stutter over every other word? Am I not going to make sense? Is the printer not going to work? Is my laptop going to die? Am I going to bore him half to death, right? But God, being the good God that he is, gave me a good word. Hebrews 13, 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. It calms my troubled mind every time, but it doesn't negate the fact that I worry to begin with. So what is it about us, and I'm speaking of believers, that we can know God, who he is, witness what he is capable of, and still worry about our day-to-day lives? How is it that we can have the jewel of salvation and worry ourselves about temporal standing to the point we begin to lose faith in the one who provides eternal security? My friends, understand that worrying comes when we in our finite minds shrink in our perspectives what God said and by default shrink in our perspectives who God is. Where do we first see people uh, 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 minimize the value of what God said in the scriptures? Genesis 3. Satan said, did God actually say? When in fact God actually said, in the form of a command in chapter 2, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Satan said, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the, <laughs> repeat it with God said. you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. You will, surely, uh, you will surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, this is the part that I find interesting about Adam and Eve. They, they ain't come from out nobody's stomach. God created them. They knew God. Listen, they knew, they had the knowledge of good. Why? They knew God. Like, what gets, what's gooder than God? But Satan being so cunning, the day you eat of it, you shall have the knowledge of good and evil. They were already intimate with the knowledge of good. They knew God. But when they began to eat of it, they were exposed to the knowledge of evil. So at that moment, Adam and Eve believed the obvious lie and thought to themselves, God's word can't be enough. There has to be more. And at that moment, sin entered the world and all of its effects, including anxiety and depression. But isn't that how we do, and let's stay on the same topic as Adam and Eve, uh, uh, temptation. When it comes to the people of God being tempted, what does the word of God say? What does God say? No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Furthermore, with every temptation, not some temptations, but with 
every, this is what God said, with every temptation, I will, I will provide you a way of escape. It also says, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Resist the devil. Paul, when addressing the church in Corinth who dealt with sexual temptation, said, flee. No qualifiers, no fine print, no footnotes. Just flee. Saints. What if the only way of escape God ever provided you at its core involves you fleeing? Joseph in the Old Testament with the coat of many colors understood this. When Potiphar's wife came on to him, he wasn't making his way to the bedroom like, oh, Lord, if there's a way that you can provide a way of escape. He fled. He understood it. He fled. But us, when it comes to blatant defiance of God's word. We want to treat sin and Satan like they are nothing more than harmless nerds in high school with no dating experience who are crushing on us. And we, the experienced ones who can flirt with Satan and then deny him when it gets too serious, when in reality Satan's repertoire is that of an aggressive and violent pimp who makes gomers out of know-it-alls. We minimize the magnanimous value of God's word into nothing more than a piece of advice every time we entertain the thought of considering our own strength. As if God's word is an important option and not the only one. Minimization of God's word, whether dealing with temptation, day-to-day living, kids, bills, a spouse, whatever, will always shrink in our perspective who God is and furthermore lead us into a state of worry. Uh, Persistent depressive disorder. This is a diagnosis dealing with uh, depression that lasts two or more years. That's persistent depressive disorder. I believe it's pronounced perinatal depression. That's related to childbirth. It lasts for up to, up to two weeks. Uh, the, mom typically, the, the mom experiences this. Psychotic depression. Seasonal affective disorder. This typically happens in the winter when there's less sunlight. So you feel down and gloomy. But without the fall of mankind, my brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this. We would not know weary. So I just wanted to make that straight. Let me, let me do something real quick. I want everybody to put that. All right, wake up. Wake up. <laughs> I want everybody to put in the front of their minds the one thing that so easily besets you to worry. Just, just put it right, smack, right there. Just, just slap it. You can write it there right now. Now, as we do that, everybody got it? Raise your hand. You slap, slap your head. <laughs> now, as we do that, I want us to consider God's word. Isaiah 66, 2 says, For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being. Psalms 95 and 4 says, In his hands are the depths of the earth. My brother, my sister, scientists, you ever thought why they call it the known universe? Because in our finite minds and our finite ability, we, can't, we haven't discover, discovered the whole universe and what there is, right? If you actually look at some pretty cool YouTube videos and some pretty cool, uh, I don't want you to oh, he the YouTube. You look at some uh, uh, credible sources, you'll see that Earth, as, biz- as big as it looks to us, is very small. It pales in comparison to some of the other planets. It pales in comparison to the grand scheme of the universe. Scientists have only discovered the known universe, hence the term known universe. 
But the Bible testifies that God holds the known and unknown universe in the palm of his hand. It testifies to that. So I want you to, with that problem right in the front of your, your mind, if you got a big forehead like mine, you got a bunch of problems up there. All right, so let's look at the, the unknown universe. Let's consider all the galaxies, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Now let's zoom into the known universe. Let's look at all the planets, stars, and everything like that. Now let's look at Earth. Let's come down to our continent. Let's zoom into our country. Let's zoom into our state, our city. Let's zoom into your neighborhood, your area code. Now let's go to your street, your house, your address. Let's look at you. Now let's find your problem. How big is your problem compared to a God or to a God who holds the known and unknown universe in the palm of his hand? How big are your problems? That puts things in perspective. But God said you will surely die. I hear what you're saying, but what happens when we don't see or we don't feel what God has said? First off, you have to realize that the presence of other voices do not determine the state of your spiritual standing in Christ. That's first, that's, that's most important. The Bible says uh, uh, that when Eve saw that the tree was good for food and desired to make one wise, she took it and ate of its fruit when she saw. But God said, what did he say? You will surely die. What she saw appeared not to match what God had said. I'm single. Something must be wrong with me. I hear people saying that, but what does God say? Because that's the one that really matters. 1 Corinthians 7 and 7. God gives the gift of singleness to some the gift of uh, the married life to others. God calls some to singleness just as he calls some to marriage. Whether that uh, calling of singleness is for a season or a lifetime, just know that every gift of God is good. I'm broke. I've been been working this job for forever. Uh, uh, I've been chasing this dream since I can remember. What does God say? Has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him, James 2.5. The world says you are incomplete, you're worthless. Ultimately, they are other voices. That's not what God says. Uh, Ultimately, the other voices will have us to believe that God is disapproving of us. But my friends, in Jesus Christ, we are accepted. And because we're accepted, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. So I want to leave you with three points. I almost put up two fingers. Three points. First off, we have to know what God has said. You can't cling to what God has said if you don't know what God has said. You can't say you want. To, you can't say uh, uh, that you want better or you want uh, God to uh, help you with this depression or help you with worry if you're not already considering the things that He has already spoken to you, right? Or, or, or spoken in His Word. First off, what does God says? One, that we should pray. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let, and this is what he said. We can't, we can't pick and choose, right? We can't just take the easy part. of. So with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
Let your request be made known to God. That's Philippians 4, 6. What should our request be? Well, what did God say? And in this, uh, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, prayer, he, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. That's 1 John 5, 14 through 15. What is the will of God then? Because it says if we ask anything according to his will. So what is the will of God? Uh, Joel put it a great way. Revealed will versus secret will. God's word is his revealed will. Right. He revealed that to us. So what does his revealed will say to, uh, say to us? What can we ask of him according to his revealed will? Uh, what does it say uh, as it pertains to? Oh, and then, and then secret will is those things. I like the way Joel put it. Uh, that might happen to you tomorrow. You don't know. So that's his secret will. What, what does it say as it pertains to worry and depression? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider that uh, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or, or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. That's Matthew 6, 25-34. So what does God tell us concerning how he takes care of his children? All I'm doing is uplifting the word of God as it pertains to... To this topic. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. What does God's word tell us? Uh, 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 that Christ, it tells us that Christ gives rest. So what does God's word tell us as it pertains to that scripture? That Christ gives rest to the heavy laden. Here's another scripture. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6.2. So what does that tell us? That we are not made to walk alone. And oftentimes when we experience worry, anxiety, and depression, what's the first thing we want to do? Isolate ourselves. We want to be alone. Right? But what does God's word tell us? We're not made to be alone. <laughs> Got to do something entertaining, y'all, because y'all... Most importantly, God's word, get this, says that you are forgiven. This, this, this part right here puts worry and depression uh, for the people of God in its proper perspective. It says that you are forgiven. Psalms 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And not only that, we, gotta, we can't just 
know what God said. We can't, it's, it's, this morning I knew what God said, but I got up, tried to print my sermon at 1015. But we got to trust what God says. We can't just know it. We literally, God designed it that way for a reason. God designed, he got designed it that way with salvation, right? Um, we know what he says about salvation, but it's not until we trust him that we experience his salvation. You understand what I'm saying? So it's one thing to know. But when you defy your own feelings to trust God, that's powerful. When your body is telling you one thing and you defy your own feelings to trust God. And the beautiful part about it is the way I believe God designed it that way because you can't get no glory because your body told you to do something else. But you're relying on the word of God. So it glorifies him. So that's why when we go through what we go through. And we attempted to do something else, and we trust God, and, it, and, 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 and he pulls us through, or he grants us joy, whichever he decides, it draws us to him. It lifts him up. And it furthermore helps, it gives us more faith than we began with. So pray it. Remember that, that, that prayer is a form of trust and reliance on God's will. Don't just, don't just pray it. Be reminded Sunday after Sunday in God's word and in prayer, alone, with friends, with church family. God freed the Israelites from bondage, like us, physically gave them his word, like us, and yet they were so impatient with God that they considered going back to the very place that God for, uh, uh, delivered them from. Despite the word he gave them that said, have no other gods before me, they built other gods as if God wasn't watching. Complained and doubted them, though they had past points of references. I know it gets hard, but, but, but learn from them in this. Don't wallow in for 40 years what was supposed to take you a few days to get over. Last but not least, I think this is my last point. Protect what God has said. Protect what God has said. Protect that good word, or namely, God's word. I, uh, it was about three years ago. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm over it yet or what, so I'm, I don't know if I can say I, I, I struggle with ang uh, anxiety attacks, or I have them, because they come like three years apart. But um, I grew up on Greenmount Avenue, right? And... Um, as tough as I think I am, I found out that because of my experiences, I was afraid of death. Uh, I was afraid to die. Uh, I, I witnessed people get killed. I knew people who got killed. Close family members got killed. Um, so I would have this fear of death. I remember one time I was in uh, my room. I was like seven years old. It sounds funny now, but it wasn't funny when it happened. I was laying on my bed, and I just got up out of nowhere and just was moving away from the, the window because I thought I was about to get shot. I thought a bullet was about to come through. Out of nowhere. Like, it's funny now, but, but out of nowhere, I'm ducking, I'm hiding, I'm praying. Fast forward, I was about 12, and uh, I'm sitting on my front step. I just get this, not a... a Simple urge, but I'm, I'm scared out of my mind. I want to go in the house. I, I think I'm about to die. I don't know what's about to happen. 
but I just think I'm about to die. And when it happens, it's almost like you got on those VR glasses, like you're in another world. You're not yourself. Um, so you get all these thoughts that once you come to, they don't make sense. Like, why are you about to die? Ain't nobody, nobody out here, like, you understand what I'm saying? I don't know if a car about to run up on a curb. Like, my mind, because I'm, I'm, I'm fearing death at that point. Fast forward. Three years ago, I think, two or three years ago, we was pulling up at Don and, uh, I mean, um, at Sade and Paul house, me and Don. That's when we uh, lived out Randallstown. I just knew I was about to die out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I'm crying, panicking, heart beating, sweating. And I scared the heck out of, I know I <laughs> probably scared the heck out of all of them. But they took me in a, in a, in a house, asked me, you know, am I, am I okay, what's going on? I don't know if they asked me if I had any drugs, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> um, and, and they literally just reminded me of who I was in Christ. That's all they did. And I'm dying, I ain't going to cry. But in those moments when you're dealing with whatever it is you're dealing with, it's like everything else goes out the window, out the door. You don't know what's going to happen. But they sat me down, prayed for me, preached the gospel to me, and read the word to me. And I lie to you not, that good word lifted that anxiety. And that's just real. So I was talking to Joel about it. And he said, you know what it is? I think you, he said, I think you have a fear of death. He said, I think those are anxiety attacks. And uh, that's how I came to realize it. And I had to realize I was scared of dying. Even though I knew that to live is Christ and to die is gain. I knew it, but I didn't trust it. But praise God um, that he provided a good word, namely his word, through good people. Um, so have you ever been having a bad day and a friend or family member at church comes along and just drops an encouraging word in your spirit without knowing your situation? That's why it's good to have accountability. Uh, I grew up where the culture of a church wasn't accountability. So I would come to church as messed up as I was, three-piece suit on, go home, bust it down. I grew up in a culture where coming to church meant come to church, get what you get out of it, and leave. And God is going to work on you. He's going to deal with you. No, I came here. Remember Trell and Joel asking me some personal questions. I'm like, hold on now. I ain't known y'all but that long, but they cared about my soul, right? I ain't never know how to come up with a lie on the spot like that. <laughs> Shoot, I done came up with it. They asked me these questions. I'm like, oh, yeah, um, see, uh, just try to dress it up, right? But no, you need people who you can be transparent with, people who know you, people who you can't lie to because they know you. And as long as you, as long as you try to live in this state of, being an oxymoron, calling yourself a Christian, but you try and justify yourself. You, I mean, are you Christian? If you're doing that, no. I wasn't a Christian. I thought I was, but I was trying to justify myself. Joel said one thing to me. He said, we do good works, not so that we can earn God's approval, but because we already have it. And that's through Jesus Christ. So because you are saved, that's why we live a life of holiness. We don't try to live a life of holiness to become saved. 
And that, that, rock, that changed my whole foundation. It was like I was standing on a pedestal, and it just knocked me on my, and then he built me back up. Like, <laughs> it was, <laughs> the 1994 study, self-esteem and pr promotion of mental health states that the most basic task for one's mental, emotional, and social health is the construction of his or her positive self-esteem. But as we see here today, uh, uh, per Proverbs 12.25, the Bible has already conducted this study. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. <laughs> Namely, God's word. So as you continue to grow, you should experience worrying less. Uh, as we enter the new year, let's make some practical uh, resolutions. Uh, though I personally don't make practice of New Year's resolution, I noticed some things in my life that uh, uh, needed, needed some help. And every opportunity you get, so whether it's, a, you know, just you look up and you want to do it on New Year, hey, do it, go for it. Don't let nobody discourage you in trying to better yourself. All right. Change trying to tackle everything at once. Hello, Brian, let me sit down right here. Change trying to tackle everything at once. I have a, I have a habit of doing that. It's okay, instead, be okay with focusing on one thing at a time to change and do it well. Secondly, why do we always have to choose the biggest habit to change first? Sometimes the big habit is a result of the smaller one. Identify the smaller habit, seek and commit to accountability, and watch God work. Thirdly, instead of focusing on changing the behavior, see if it is a matter of changing the environment. Create an environment conducive to change. Again, accountability, prayer, being around God's people. Which brings me to the last one. Instead of merely saying every year, my New Year's resolution is to come to church, if that's you, find someone in church and allow them to hold you accountable. I'm going to close with this. What if Jesus didn't believe what God said? What if Christ chose to believe what Satan said in the wilderness over what God has said in his word? 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by, but, uh, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Believed to the point of death on the cross for those who didn't believe what God said. He rose miraculously from the grave three days later, seeing what God had already said. Giving all who didn't believe what God said a chance to believe what God has said about him, Christ. One day he's coming back to redeem these bones that are prone to wander and weary, and we will physically see all that God has said in its truest form. We wait the day, we await the day where we will see what God has said, and all other voices will be proven invalid. Romans 8, 22 through 24. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we, wait, as we eagerly wait for the adoptions of sons, the redemptions of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is not seen. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Trust what God said. Thank you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, uh, your word, Lord. I pray that we would trust it.
Uh, in and of ourselves, we can't. We, we are prone to trust what we believe, what we see. What we see often becomes what we believe, but I pray that we will be in your word so much, dear Heavenly Father, that you will grant us that great grace and strength to do that, Lord God, that you would allow us to prioritize you, Lord God, that we will begin to trust you and be the people that you've called us to be. I pray for whoever's struggling with depression and worry. Pray that you would surround them with good and godly people. Pray that you would uh, uh, comfort them, their Heavenly Father. I pray that you would uh, surround them with the people that they need, the medical help that they need. And I pray that you would uh, just continue to use all of this for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.